Well, we're in week six of this series, sermon series that we've been in that we're calling The Journey. And I don't know, but uh, sometimes we take a topic and we talk about it until we're sick of it. But I hope you're not growing tired of us talking about and focusing on our journey with Jesus, our journey with the King of Kings, our journey with the Lord of Lords, and our journey with our Savior. And we may continue this journey for several more weeks. I'm not even really sure. We may go uh, all the way up to Easter with it because I just feel like that there's so uh, much uh, to focus on here as we talk about this shared journey that you and I are on together uh, with our, our Savior. But we've been talking about the reality of the faith for everything that you might encounter and everything that you may come even in contact with. Because not only is He with us and in us, but He's also around us. And He's in everything around us, but we often miss it. And so we've been talking about the fact that sometimes we miss His presence in our lives and in the things around us because we get so busy. Right, Our schedules are hectic and they're just crammed with places to go and things to do. Or maybe it's not just the busyness of life, but maybe it's just the distractions of life. The distractions uh, that our, our world and our culture is throwing at us that causes us to forget the fact that Jesus is with us. The King of Kings walks with us and beside us each and every day. And, and, and I don't know how we forget it, but sometimes we do, if we're honest. And, and so we've been talking about, what if in, in 2023, what if in 2023, we, we spent this year trying to focus more on the fact that He is with us, that we're walking with God. We're looking for Him in every moment of every day. And not just in, in every moment, but in everything. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's where our focus is going to be. Uh, we began this series and been referring to this passage several times. But uh, John chapter 15, uh, verse 5, where Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine. And you are the branches. And he says, if you remain in me and I in you, he says this, you will bear much fruit. But he says, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. And so it's this idea of Jesus saying, you know what? I want to do amazing things through you. Uh, as long as you remain in me, as long as you abide with me, as long as you walk with me, he says, I want to show you, I want to show everyone around you, I want to show the world that, that I can do amazing things in your life and through your life for the glory of our Father. And so today I want us to look at this parable that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 25. I, I appreciate Hayden reading it for us. It was a little long. Uh, we're going to go back through it and kind of break it down here in just a few minutes. But just to make sure that we're all on the same page this morning, this passage of Scripture is what is called a parable. All right? And, and a parable is simply this. It's a made-up story. Jesus would tell stories 
that was relevant to the audience that he was speaking to. Uh, another way that we might view this is instead of calling it a parable, we might think of it today as a sermon illustration. Okay, he would share a story that would be relevant to the point that he was trying to make. And, and he created these stories in order to make a point and to drive home a point. And here in this section of Scripture, Jesus gives a, a, a bunch of these stories, a bunch of these parables back to back to back. And often after a parable, we'll see uh, here in the New Testament, Jesus would, would share a parable and then he would go, you know, let me explain this to you. Let me explain to you what this means. Other times he would, he would share a parable or one of these stories and he would just simply walk away. And leave the audience or whoever he was sharing it with, you know, to be in a situation where they just needed to reflect on it. And what did this, what did this mean? What did this mean to them? What was the point that he was trying to make? Other times, he would share a parable or a story. Uh, he would walk away and he would go to his disciples and go, do you know what I was talking about? You know, do you know what I meant by that? And it's like they never got it, right? They, they never really fully understand. But in this particular parable that we're looking at today, Jesus finishes the parable and then he just tells another one. Right? A, a parable after parable after parable. But if you read uh, this whole section of stories and these parables, it begins to make sense to us exactly what it is that Jesus is trying to teach us. And in many of his uh, parables, he would begin it like this. The kingdom of heaven is like. And then he would tell this parable. Or he would say the kingdom of God is like. And he would share this parable or this story. And parables are a way of helping us to understand, to better understand the way that God views the world and specifically the way that God views you as you are on this journey with Him. Living in the moment like we've been talking about. Living in the moment, living in the present not living in the past and not trying to live in the future and manipulate the future, but enjoying the moment, serving in the moment, being faithful in the moment. And so here in Matthew 25, if you have a Bible that has the headings in it, this is often referred to as the parable of the talents. And this word talent that shows up in most translations of the Bible actually means money. It's actually a large sum of money. But the NIV refers to it as, as gold, okay? Matthew, we're going to pick it up at verse 14 in chapter 25. Jesus said this, again, it, and it here being the kingdom of heaven, all right? Because we're right in the middle of several parables. So he's referring to the kingdom of heaven. Will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. And here's the key word here. And entrusted his wealth to them. Notice the master didn't give them his wealth. Uh, the master said, I'm going uh, to allow you servants to manage my wealth. I'm going to allow you to manage my money while I am away. Verse 15, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. And here's one of the keys to the whole parable, each according to his ability. 
Now, some of you that have been in supervisor positions or management positions, or maybe you've owned your own business, or, or maybe you're just the worker bee and, and you, you know, report to a supervisor or owner or, or, or something like that. It, it's similar to what we're seeing here. He was like any boss. He was like any supervisor. He looked at these people. He evaluated their talent. He evaluated their, their maybe faithfulness, their obedience, you know, their work. And he looked at one of these and he thought, you know what, you've got, you've got a lot of talent. You've proven yourself in the past to be reliable. So I'm going to give you five bags of gold to manage while I'm away. He looked at the other one and he goes, you know, he said, you do a, you do a pretty good job, so, so I'm going to give you two bags to manage while I'm away. And then there's this one guy who is obviously on an improvement plan, right, because he only gets one bag. He's only entrusted with one bag. Again, this is a parable. It's a made-up story. And this manager knows that all of these people that work for him, they don't have the same skill set. He also knows that maybe one is not as dependable as the other. So according to their skill set, he gave them responsibility to manage what he had entrusted to them. Now, when you read a parable, you should always ask these questions. Y'all taking notes here? This would be a good thing to write down right here. Whenever you're reading a parable, you always need to ask yourself this question. Where am I in this story. Where am I in this story? Who am I in this parable in this story? Because you're in there. That's the purpose of the story. That's the purpose of the parable is to help you see where you are at in this and how it applies to you. The other question to ask in a parable parable is this, where's God in the story? Because he's in there too. Because in the kingdom of God, it is like this. All right? And that's what Jesus is saying here. So let's just say for the sake of argument this morning, because I've kind of looked around and surveyed the audience here. Uh, let's say this morning that you're a two-bag servant. All right? I'm not going to say that any of you live up to the expectation of five bags, because honestly, I know most of you and you're not that good. All right? <laughs> But so, so, you know, you don't have one bag, you're better than that, right? Amen? All right, so I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm letting you have two bags this morning in, in the story. You've got two bags, which honestly, if you think about it, is the life that you and I live, isn't it? There's always somebody that's got a little more than what we have, right? There's always somebody that's got a little less than what we have as well. Jesus continues in verse 15. He says, Then he went on his journey, talking about the boss, the manager here. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So he went out and he invested this money, didn't he? He did something with his money, and over time, he was able to double the master's money, and he got five more bags. Verse 17, So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. So the guy with two bags went out, invested it whatever in whatever way, and he doubled his master's money as well. Verse 18, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. 
Now, when Jesus is telling this story and Jesus is telling this parable to the people that were gathered around him, everybody in the audience knew when he was talking about this guy with one bag and he went and dug a hole and buried it, they all went, that's not good, right? This is, I I, I don't need to be the one bag guy in the story here, right? So, verse 19, after a long time, and this is important, too, that we understand in Jesus' parables that anytime we see that reference to a long time, it usually means after a lifetime, okay? At the end of a lifetime, after you've lived your whole life, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me. All right, notice here, he doesn't say, you, you know, you gave this to me. You, he, he didn't say you even loaned this to me. He said, you entrusted this to me. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. In other words, the master did what any good boss would do. He said, you know what? You were faithful with a a little bit of responsibility, but you know what? You've proven yourself, and now I'm going to give you more. You were faithful, and you were trustworthy with a little bit that I allowed you to manage, and so I'm going to allow you to manage more. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me. There it is again. You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But now we, have, we come to the guy who buried the money. Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. And this is interesting because he doesn't start uh, his story the way that the other two did. right? He, he, he doesn't uh, start with the phrase, you entrusted me, like the other two. You see, somehow he has lost sight of the fact that the master has entrusted these things to him to do something with. And instead, I want you to notice what he starts doing here. And some of you have seen this. He starts pointing his finger at his boss, right? This is somehow the boss's fault in the story, right? He says, before I tell you what I did and before I tell you what I didn't do, I just need you to know that this is your fault, right? He said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I know that you're a hard driver. I know what kind of guy you are, right? So I was afraid. I was afraid this is really your fault because you scare me half to death every time I come to work. And went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Not, here's what was entrusted to me, but here is what belongs to you. And I'm going to give it back to you in the exact same measure that you gave it to me, and you ought to be proud of me. You ought to be proud of me because I didn't blow it. I didn't lose it. I didn't waste it away. I'm giving you back exactly what you left me with. Right? His master replied, you wicked lazy servant. 
And he's not mad at the servant because the servant had done something bad. He's, he's aggravated at the servant because he hasn't done anything. He didn't do anything. He, he's not mad because he did something immoral or did something illegal. He just didn't do anything. So he says, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. See, you know me. You know my expectations. You knew that going in. Now think of the master, who the master is in this situation and in this scenario. We know what the master's expectations are. We know what he has asked us to do, right? And here in the story, Jesus tells, he says, the master, uh, you know, master says, you know what? You, You knew going into this. You knew going into this journey. You knew going into this relationship what was expected of you. You see, because this is what the kingdom of God is like. Verse 27 says, Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. That's a whole different story in itself because, I mean, we'd sit here and go, Why did he give it to the guy that had so much? You know, that's just a whole different deal. Let's not get sidetracked. But don't miss this. This guy with the one bag, he didn't see this as something that had been entrusted to him to do something with. You, you see, he, he missed the whole point. Friends, you and I don't need to miss the point. Amen? We don't need to miss the point. And then in verse 29, the master continues, For those who have will be given more, and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And then the, the master continues there, and I don't have it on the screen, but uh, he says, throw this worthless servant out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, you know, most of us know that is a reference to hell. It's also a reference in this story, though, of a time of absolute frustration. So many people are living their lives in darkness, frustrated, aggravated, worried. We've been talking about it for the last five weeks. Jesus tells the story. He finishes the story. No explanation whatsoever. And he just moves on to the next story, to the next parable. Now, when you read the rest of the parables, here is what becomes very clear in these stories on this journey With Jesus, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, on this journey with Jesus, what you do with what you have is more important than what you actually have. What you do with what you have is actually more important than what you have. Jesus is telling us the point of this parable is this. It it, it isn't what you have. It, It isn't what you start out with. The issue is, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with what you have? Now, a lot of you right now are thinking, he's preaching on tithing. He's preaching on tithing. I can't believe he's preaching on. I ain't preaching on tithing. I'm not talking about tithing. 
if I wouldn't have just said that, you wouldn't have heard the word tithing at all in this message, right? I'm not talking about that, but can I just tell you, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you about tithing in this message, ain't me. Jesus is telling us the point of this parable isn't what you have or what you start out with. The issue is, what are you doing with what you have? Now, here's what I know about every single one of you. Most of you have your health. At least you're healthy enough to be here today, right? And it's good to see my friend Richard with us this morning. Richie Rich, we're with you, brother. We're with you. But I think everyone that's here this morning is healthy enough to be here. Some of you, most of you, have some level of education. Most of you have some amount of money. Most of you have some time left in your life. Most of you have some sort of talent. Every single one of you has a story. A story of your life that is not like anybody else's story in the world. And you are a unique combination of all these things. These things and what you have and what has been entrusted to you. And no one else's life is exactly like yours. And I want you to think about it. All of these things that you have are things that have been entrusted to you. Now, some of you may like the things that have been entrusted to you, and some of you may not like the things that have been entrusted to you. You may wish that you had more time. You may wish that you had better health. You may wish that you had more money. You may wish that you had more education or that you would have finished college or pursued a, a, a different degree in college. But you know what? All of that doesn't matter right now because we're living in the present. We're living in the moment right now. And this is who you are today. This is your story as of right now. So listen to what Jesus is saying. What you have, your health, your education, your money, your talents, your time, your story, what you have is really not what's important here. What is important is what are you doing with these things that have been entrusted to you. Now, isn't it amazing that our favorite stories are stories about people who are underdogs, People who have a, a, a huge battle that they have to uh, fight or, you know, they, they, they start out, you know, uh, nobody likes a story about somebody who was born rich and dies rich, right? Nobody cares about a story like that, right? And if you're that way, nobody really cares about you, all right? I, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We've all been entrusted with different amounts, all right? That was a joke. For that one that just got up and walked out and got in his Lamborghini. Um, but my favorite stories are stories about the underdog. You know, stories about people who started off with nothing. The odds were stacked against them. And then they went on to do incredible and amazing things in their life. I, I love those stories. The stories of someone that came from a broken home or a 
bad family situation and they overcame it. Stories of someone that didn't have great health, but yet they went on to do extraordinary things. Stories of people that didn't really have amazing talent, but for whatever reason, they are successful. They overcame all the odds to do amazing things, and that just makes for a great story. And Jesus is saying, this is like the kingdom of God. This is like the kingdom of heaven. If you are on this journey as a servant of the master, Jesus is saying everything in your life, your health, your education, your money, your talent, your time, everything in your life has been entrusted to you by him. And what you have in your hand is your opportunity Do you hear that? What you have in your hand is your opportunity to do something spectacular with what has been entrusted to you. Because, you see, what you have is irrelevant. irrelevant. (laughs) Honey, I need some help. Irrelevant. What you have is irrelevant if you're not using it for the Master. If you're not being faithful with it. And here's the deal. Just like the servants in the story. Friends. We need to be reminded of this. All of us know it. But I think we need to be reminded. Just like the servants in the story. One day we are going to give an account to the master. And we'll say to him. God here's what you put in my hand. I was born poor, but what I did have, I used it for your good and your glory. Or maybe you can say, you know what, I was born rich, I was born wealthy, and here's what I did with all of that that you entrusted to me. God, I I had a good family. Here's here's what I did with this amazing family that I was blessed to have, or, or, or God, I had a bad family. God, I I took what you blessed me with, and I did my absolute best. Whatever it is, Master, here's what I did with what you entrusted to me. Here's what I did with it. One day, we'll stand before God and give an account. So here's the question, and they all, all knew that this question was coming. What are you doing with what God has entrusted you with? What are you doing with what God has entrusted you with? Because if we're not careful, we end up like the guy that only got the one bag of money. Remember, he didn't start off his speech saying, well, you entrusted one bag of money to you. Remember what he said? He said, before we get started, you just need to know this is your fault. And we would never admit this out loud, especially at church. But sometimes when 
we compare ourselves to other people. Like we talked about last week, we're on this journey, but sometimes we begin looking to our left and to our right. And why are we looking to our left and our right? Well, because I want to know what the person on my left, I want to know how much money he makes. I want to know what kind of car this person on my, my right is driving. And we begin to compare ourselves to other people instead of staying focused on the master and the task at hand. And so what we're saying is when we're looking to our left and to our right is really this. God, it's your fault because I don't have what they have. God, God, it's your fault because I don't have the health that they have. God, it's your fault because I don't have the time that these people over here have. And we're comparing ourselves to other people. And what we're really doing is is saying, Master, it's your fault Because you didn't entrust me with what I needed to be able to be faithful and obedient on this journey. It's your fault that I didn't have the money to finish my education. It's your fault that I don't have uh, enough talent to do the things that I like to do. It's your fault that I don't have better health. It's your fault that my back doesn't feel better. Right, Marianne? If you had entrusted me with what you entrusted her or him with, I would have done better. I would have done more. And Jesus says in the kingdom of heaven, that's not what it's about. In the kingdom of heaven, that's not how it is. And when you read the parable, you know. You know when you read the parable, even if you're a Christian or not. I don't want to be the one bad guy, right? I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the one bad guy. I don't want to be the man or the woman that says, well, I didn't have very much. You didn't give me very much, so I just dug a hole and I buried it. The issue is not how much you have. It's what are you going to do with what God has entrusted to you. Because at the end of your life, you're going to give an account. You're going to report to the master what you did with what was entrusted to you. Can you imagine what would happen in our community if just the people who profess to be followers of Jesus would actually live this out and be faithful and obedient to what God has entrusted to them? Can you imagine how that might change our community? Let's narrow the focus a little bit. Can you imagine how that might change our church? If just the Christians would embrace this idea? Can you imagine the difference that it might make in your family? If we all simply embrace this idea? Using what He has entrusted us with. Using what He has placed in our hands for His good and His glory and His kingdom work. Because he's saying here, this is what kingdom work looks like. This is what it's like in the kingdom of heaven. This is what it's like in the kingdom of God. Friends, this is what the journey with Jesus looks like. Living in the moment. Living in the present. Not living in the past. Not living... In the future, living in the moment with what I have been entrusted to me right now in this moment. And enjoying that. Serving 
being faithful and being obedient right now with what has been entrusted to me. This morning, I'm going to close with a word of prayer. And I invite anyone to come that would like to come and pray this morning. Maybe you're here and you've got a struggle, you've got a situation, you've got a person, a family member, whatever. Maybe God spoke to something on your heart today and you just say, you know what, I just need to come and pray. I need to come bring that to God. I invite you to come this morning. We're not going to wait. We're going to close with a word of prayer and then we're going to dismiss. But if you would like to come, I want you to come right now as we join together in prayer. God, first of all, we come to you just so grateful and so thankful for the salvation that has been extended to us, this free gift that you have extended to every single human being that you ever created to be made a child of the King, to be able to call ourselves sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. God, that you would look at, at, at my life and think that I was worth saving still blows my mind. Thank you for loving us enough to send your son Jesus so that we could have life and have life abundantly. And sometimes we think of abundant life as something different than what it actually is. Abundant life is a content life. Abundant life is enjoying living in the moment. Being faithful in the moment. Serving and being obedient in the moment. There's nothing better. There's nothing more rewarding. And just walk with you. And God, if there be any person in this room or watching online that is not in a relationship with you, has not asked you to come into their life, forgive them of their sins, take residence in their, in their heart and in their soul so that they can be a child of the King. If there's anyone that has not done that, I pray that they would do it right now. They would ask for your help right now because what we all needed was help. You promised us help through the presence of your Holy Spirit. There are some people here today that are crying out for help because they need a Savior. And so God, today, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for salvation.
God, I also want to thank you this morning for what has been entrusted to us. This, this whole story that your son shared while he was here on this earth puts every single thing in our life in perspective. You've entrusted to us what you feel like we can be trusted with. Will you find us faithful? Will you find us trustworthy? When we come to the end of this long journey, after a long time, after a life lived, will we stand before you and give a better account than the fella in the story with one bag did? I'm trusting your spirit here today to speak, um, and I know that you are. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for what you're doing in this place. And I thank you for what you're doing in families right now. As we go out from these doors today, find us faithful. As the church, we go out from this building to be the church, find us faithful. Find us living in this moment, doing your kingdom work. Because that's what the kingdom of God is like. God, I pray today for those in our church that are hurting. We have many that are battling physical conditions, battling cancer. It's good to see Richard. I thank you that he got to come home. And God, his situation just seems so complicated. It, it, I know it's complicated to him, his family. It's complicated to me. I, I don't even uh, know specifically really how to pray other than to pray, God, heal him. Heal my friend. Be what he needs in every moment of every day. And I know you will be, so I'm thanking you for that. I know you have been, and I know that you will be. Exactly what they need. And may we as the body of Christ come along beside him, come, come along beside Randy, and these in our church that are fighting the battle of their life right now. And may you lead us and help us to know how to encourage, how to support, how to walk with them through this journey because we're all on this journey together. God, there are parents here this morning whose hearts are absolutely broken over decisions that family members and children have made and what they're doing and where they're at right now. God, we pray for miracles because we know you're still a miracle-working God. We believe with all of our heart that you are still at work in this world. You're working through your church. You're working through your spirit. And so I pray for these, these kids right now, God, that parents are carrying such a heavy burden over. I pray that you would remind them, even right now, they would be reminded of a saving, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That they would be reminded of, uh, of where they can find peace and where they can find hope in their life. 
And God, if, it, if it's not one of us, I pray that you would put someone in their life or a situation in their life where they would be reminded of where they need to be and who they need to be walking with on this journey of life. God, I pray for my brother Ron Riddle this morning, and that family has been through so very much. And I pray that you will be be with them this week as they bury Ron's precious dad. I thank you for the salvation of his soul. I know it was a burden on Ron's heart for many, many years. They didn't give up. You didn't give up. And now Ron's dad is in your presence today, and we celebrate that. But God, comfort my friend. Be with Wanda. God, bring healing to her. Be with Mike. Bring healing, God. Bring healing in Fred's life, in Dorothy's life. Help Lisa. God, there are so many situations. We need you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for your help. Thank you for what you're doing here today. It's in the powerful and the mighty name of Jesus Christ that I pray. And I ask these things. Would you stand with me this morning as we're reminded we go from this place as the body of Christ on this journey with one another and our journey with Jesus. Let's be reminded by this benediction today. Would you read it with me? Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. I love you so much. God bless you all. Have a blessed week.